Let's pray together, church. Oh God, what glorious good news. We thank you for this gospel upon which we can stand through no work of our own, but through the work of Jesus Christ in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. The work of Christ on our behalf, which is settled and complete and secure. We thank you that we can sing, declaring together with confidence, one with himself, we cannot die. Lord, ground our lives in this reality. Teach us to walk day by day with this surety, with this confidence, with this boldness that we need not know that we cannot earn our way to you, but that you have granted us all things pertaining to life and godliness, that in Christ's death in our place and in his resurrection to victorious life, we are secure. We belong to you. Lord, increase our confidence in this truth that we might be a people living and walking and loving in the good of all that you are for us in Christ. Lord, we pray for our church family and the ministry of your word among this body. We pray that you would increase our desire to read, study, and hear your word. Lord, give us a hunger for the truth that will propel us to keep seeking you in Scripture. Teach us to minister your word to one another among the congregation in daily conversations, in mutual discipleship that happens all around our church. Teach us what it looks like, what it means to have your word in our hearts and on our lips so that we might speak words of life and truth and hope and blessing and encouragement and comfort to one another in the regular course of life. May we hide your words in our hearts that we might not sin against you and that we might be a blessing to one another. May we grow in our knowledge of and love for your word 
so that we might also grow in our knowledge of and love for you and of our love for our neighbor. Increase the fruit of the ministry of your word among our church for your glory and our good. Father, we pray this week for Vacation Bible School, knowing there will be a lot of activity and busyness and a lot of people coming and going and working and playing and singing and teaching and loving throughout the days of this week. And we pray, Lord, that this would be a fruitful and blessed week of your presence and of your work. This would not just be a church program that we carry out because it's a thing that churches do, but that it would be your ministry among us. We pray for all the workers who will be participating, adults and students who will be helping and leading and teaching and guiding in various ways. We pray for their joy in serving, for their overflowing love for the children that you entrust to them and bring into our church this week. We pray for their effectiveness in teaching and leadership. And we pray for all the children who will be a part of the ministry this week. Lord, we ask that you would give them receptive hearts to the gospel and to the work of the Holy Spirit in them. We ask that you would be pleased to bring boys and girls to repentance and faith in Christ and to build up godly families and to build up this church to bear witness to the truth in Greenville and beyond. May we see you at work this week and trust you to do what you desire in the hearts of your people and through the efforts that we make. Lord, as we open your word now, we pray for guidance from your spirit, for clarity, for understanding, and we pray for faith, that you would cause us to believe what you say, and you'd give us the courage to obey where you call us to go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Rain started coming down, didn't it? Okay. The Lord is here. All right, grab your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, second book in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and the 10th chapter. Our series this summer is called Words of Life. And we are spending some time with Jesus and some of his uh, apostles and observing how they engage unbelief, how they engage with those who do not yet believe in the gospel and trust in Jesus, and trying to learn what we might glean from their engagement in their conversations with unbelievers about how we can bear witness to the good news of the kingdom. Indeed, that was the ministry of Jesus summarized. It was preaching the good news of the kingdom. That was the ministry of the apostles summarized. They went everywhere preaching the kingdom. And that's indeed the mission that Jesus has left to his church even today. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them, teaching them, and all of that having to do with the authority of Jesus in all heaven and earth. That's kingdom. So discipleship is all about the kingdom of God, and the work of the church is all about advancing the kingdom by spreading the news that it's here, it's come, the king is here. Yet knowing that there is a fuller, complete realization of the kingdom yet to come, we have this time that he's given us. He's left us here on the earth with this message of the kingdom to go and to proclaim this good news. So how might we learn to do this more effectively, more faithfully, more courageously by just looking at the examples of Jesus in the apostles? The gospel conversation that we'll consider today might be a little bit unexpected, but I think it concerns a group of people who sometimes the church tends to overlook or neglect uh, when it comes to these matters of evangelism and kingdom witness, but who nevertheless comprise one of the most important fields of ministry that the Lord has given, namely children. In Mark 10, we're going to see Jesus interact with a group of children and speak, of course, to his disciples and to the, the adults and probably parents among this group of people. And we'll learn some really important things about how Jesus regards children and how he instructs his church to interact with and to pursue the hearts of children and indeed children. He will speak to you. So boys and girls, we're, ha- we're glad that you're in here. You're usually in here, and we love that. But we'd encourage you today, perhaps even more, pay a little bit closer attention because Jesus has some words that bear specifically to you. So let's look together at this story. It's a short passage, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. That's the whole thing. I'll read that paragraph, and then we'll unpack this a bit together. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Well, the first thing we see happening in this story is that the disciples are deterring children from coming to Jesus. There's a couple of things that we learn even just by that very fact. First of all, parents were bringing their children to Jesus, it appears. So by this time in Jesus' public ministry, he's gained some popularity. He's kind of going from town to town with his itinerant ministry, preaching the kingdom and often healing diseases and casting out demons and doing the things that Jesus does in his earthly ministry. And so he's gaining a following. And so when Jesus and his disciples come into a town, there's a lot of hullabaloo, right? There's a lot of people coming around uh, and trying to get, a, to get their eye on Jesus and sometimes to have Jesus touch them or heal them in some way. And so we shouldn't be surprised that these crowds of people that would surround Jesus would include parents who have children. And so as they bring their children to Jesus, 
uh, we, we see there the fact that the disciples are in a position to, or their instinct is to sort of push them away, we understand that this means there are children around Jesus, and there are grown-ups, there are parents bringing their children to the Lord. It also tells us, I think, that children were probably drawn to Jesus. I think there's something about Jesus' way and Jesus' words and Jesus' demeanor that, that children love, that children recognize something in this man was welcoming, right, and was, was warm. And so the children wanted to come to him. And so as the, uh, the Jesus and the disciples are moving their way through town, and these children are probably beginning to sort of crowd around him or press toward him, you can understand maybe why the disciples are a little bit defensive, protective of, of Jesus, right? To, to give them a little bit of a, of a defense, it sounds obviously very callous that children are coming to Jesus and the disciples are like shooing them away. Get away from him, right? But understand the nature of this itinerant ministry and the schedule that they've got to keep. Well, we're trying to get to the next town before nightfall, and so we've got, you know, we've got to get out of here at a certain time. And so the disciples are sort of the, the, the managers, right, the road managers. And so they're trying to keep things moving, right? And, uh, and so, but they clearly have the wrong idea about how Jesus regards children. And so they're, they're trying to sort of keep things moving. They're trying to keep Jesus on task, trying to keep the the ministry going forward, and so they're, they're, they're seeing these children as perhaps distractions from the real ministry that Jesus is coming to do. And we're going to see very clearly from the mouth of Jesus and from his actions, that is not how Jesus regards children at all. The children are not a distraction from his ministry. Indeed, they are his ministry. Boys and girls, I wonder... If you ever feel this way, I wonder if you ever feel like grown-ups in your life are too busy. I wonder if parents or other family members or adults in the church or wherever else sometimes make you feel like they don't really have time for you or that you're kind of annoying them. As a dad myself, I'm painfully aware of times that I make my own children feel that way. It's easy for, for us to slip into those kinds of attitudes. But I have good news for you. You're never in Jesus' way. Jesus is never too busy for you. You're never a nuisance to Jesus. He's not doing the important things of ministry and doesn't have time for you because you are the important things of ministry. So here's the first principle, and it's very simply this. Children are important to Jesus. Children are important to Jesus. Boys and girls, you need to hear that. Moms and dads and fellow church members, you need to hear this too. We all do. Children are important to Jesus. It's easy to think, Stuff with kids is just time-consuming, it's busy work, it's kind of getting, getting in the way of the real work of ministry or teaching or discipleship or mission or whatever it is, but that's simply not the way that Jesus regards children, and it cannot be the way that we regard children. Children are not distractions. Children are not annoyances. Children are the ministry. 
We must approach them this way. And we should ask ourselves, as a church, how do we do this? How do we as a church community demonstrate that children are important to Jesus? If we're inviting families, for example, to come and be a part of our church, why would parents want to bring their children to Cross Point Fellowship? What about our church would signal to them, we believe Jesus values children and therefore we value them also? What about our church would communicate that to people on the outside? Would a family see and recognize that children are valued here? And another question to ask ourselves, if a family does bring their children here, will we be faithful in bringing them to Jesus? Will we be faithful to point them to Jesus Christ? To apply this one more specific way to parents, those of you who, to whom God has entrusted the care and nurture and instruction of children, let the example of the parents in this passage, subtle but present, be an encouragement to you. Seek earnestly to bring your children to Jesus. Show them his way, his heart, his word. Take them to him in prayer. Bring them diligently, faithfully to church to hear the word of God and to be among the people of God. Bring your children to Jesus. Because children are important to Jesus. Well, the next thing that happens after the disciples have rebuked the ones bringing their children and attempted to deter the children from crowding around Jesus is that Jesus corrects them, right? Jesus sees it and he is indignant, all right? That is anger, but it's holy, okay? So he's not pitching a fit. He's not lashing out at them in, in some kind of a uncontrolled rage, but he is stirred. He is provoked. We talked about Paul's spirit being provoked when he saw idols in Athens last week. This is the heart of Jesus being provoked because he sees these children whom he values, whom he loves, being pushed aside and moved away from him. And so he acts immediately and says to his disciples, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. Do not hinder them. What hindrances, what obstacles do we put in the way of children's path to Jesus? Maybe it's just flat-out busyness. We just have too much going on to spend the time necessary to know a child's heart and to hear his mind and questions and to point him or her toward the word of God and toward the gospel of Christ. Maybe it's just busyness. Maybe it's impatience. This just takes so long or they just don't seem to get it. Maybe we overcomplicate the gospel sometimes. Maybe in our effort to bring up children in the instruction, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, a phrase that the book of Ephesians uses, maybe we overemphasize behavior. You need to behave in this certain way, and that's what it means to be a good kid. Maybe we should emphasize more what they're trusting, who they're looking to. So I think there are all kinds of ways. Those are just a few thoughts. I'm guessing, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit could bring to your mind particular temptations or, or 
tendencies? What obstacles might you put, might we put, in the way of children coming to Jesus? It's very important that we don't miss this, that we don't put these unnecessary obstacles in the way, because the very next thing Jesus says in the middle of verse 14 is, he says, don't hinder them for, meaning because, to such belongs the kingdom of God. To such belongs the kingdom of God. Don't keep children from coming to Jesus because it's to people like this that the kingdom belongs. And that's a very interesting and curious statement. In a way, he says here, you must receive the kingdom like a child, right? Look at verse 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Now, I want you to be, to, to be clear that what Jesus is calling us to here is not a childish faith. It's not a childish understanding of God's word and his kingdom and sin and repentance and life in Christ. He is not looking for a childish faith. He is calling us to a childlike faith. And there's a difference, a really important difference. A childlike faith is a humble, sincere, dependent trust. Just as a child who, socially speaking, is vulnerable and helpless in many ways. Even now on tax forms, we call them what? Dependents. They depend on somebody else for their livelihood, right? For their well-being, for their food and clothing and shelter. They need somebody else to provide these things for them. They are socially disadvantaged. And recognizing that, really not even probably questioning it most of the time, they simply receive the provision and the care and the blessing that the grown-ups in their life who have been entrusted with their care give to them. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, if you don't receive the kingdom like this, you don't receive the kingdom at all. What does that mean? Here's the second principle I would suggest. Jesus' kingdom is for the weak and vulnerable. Jesus' kingdom is for the weak and vulnerable. Another way to say this, if I were going to state it negatively, would be to say something like, Jesus' kingdom is not gained by power or wealth. It's not gained by influence. It's not gained by reputation or status. That's the way of the world, right? The way that you gain kingdoms in the world is through strength. It's through force. It's through violence. Or you just have enough money that you can convince whoever you need to convince to let you have it, right? This is the way of the world, but Jesus flips this script all the way upside down. The kingdom of God is not gained by power or wealth or influence. It, it, it's gained by humility. It's gained by vulnerability. It's gained by those who recognize they are weak, they are dependent, and they need help from the Lord. The way of Jesus is fundamentally different than the way of the world. 
His kingdom has different values. His kingdom doesn't come to the strong and powerful, at least not by virtue of their strength or power. It comes to the weak and helpless. You might remember how the Sermon on the Mount begins with the so-called Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's not the way the world works. Not blessed are the powerful, blessed are the courageous, blessed are the generals and warriors. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit and recognize it and depend on the Lord. So to say the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like children is to say that the kingdom is not purchased with wealth or obtained by force, but granted to those with simple, sincere faith in the Lord Jesus. The kingdom is a gift. We don't earn it. We don't fight for it. We don't conquer it. We are given it through simple faith. Jesus isn't looking for power and influence. He's looking for humble, sincere faith. And that's where the kingdom grows. So I think that's the lesson here at the middle of this, at the heart of this paragraph about children. And it's not only about children. It's much broader than that. He's talking to grown-ups here. You don't gain the kingdom of God by power and prestige and wealth and force and strength and wisdom. You gain the kingdom by humbly trusting in Jesus. And he gives it to you as a gift. And so he rebukes the disciples, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And then in verse 16, having rebuked the disciples and announced here to all the onlookers, all the crowd, his intention to let the children come, now in verse 16, he took them in his arms, he blessed them, and he laid his hands on them. And because he's just made this announcement about the, the way of the kingdom, the fact that the kingdom belongs to those who in weakness and helplessness come to him in faith, then this blessing and gathering of children into his arms becomes a picture of the third principle. Here it is. Jesus invites children into his kingdom. Jesus invites children into his kingdom. So the, the bigger, broader principle that applies to all people is the, is the one about vulnerability. The kingdom is for those who are weak and helpless and come to him in simple faith. But then really specifically, explicitly, the third principle is Jesus invites children into his kingdom. Boys and girls, you don't have to wait until you're a grown-up to come to Jesus. Oftentimes, grown-ups tend to expect children to be a little bit more adult-like before they can really come to Jesus, and before we can really give them all the benefits of life in the church and life in the kingdom. But the ironic thing is Jesus commands just the opposite. He's telling adults that they need to get more like children, whereas we tend to tell children they need to be more like adults. But Jesus invites you into his kingdom. Jesus loves you. 
He is willing to spend time to show affection, to speak blessings into your lives. And we've got to do this too, church. We have to follow the example of Jesus here. We must make time for children. We must intentionally, diligently teach children the ways of Jesus. We must care for them in every way we can conceive. And we try to do this as a church, right? There are ways that we are busy about doing that. We have Kids Point Ministry on Wednesday nights where we are teaching them the Word of God and teaching them catechisms. That's just a way to say memorable ways to know Christian doctrine. They're working on memorizing the Nicene Creed, which we recite in here uh, uh, often on Sunday mornings. There are all kinds of ways that they do this together, that our church leaders are pouring into children. We have uh, nursery care on Sunday mornings. That's not just somebody watching your kid. They're at, the, at an age-appropriate level. They are speaking the Word of God to them. They're teaching them songs that put Scripture in their minds. I don't know if you know that's what's happening in, across the way on Sundays, but it is. We're discipling children in every way that we can. Of course, this week is Vacation Bible School, and the whole campus will be filled with people trying to love and serve and teach and disciple and bless children. And so there are ways that we're busy about doing this as a church. Let's keep going. Let's do more. Let's find ways, creative ways, to passionately, courageously, consistently invite children into the kingdom. So kids, I want you to hear me say very plainly, Jesus' kingdom is for you. He wants you to come to him in faith, to believe that he is God's son, and to choose to follow his ways for your whole life. Trust in him, receive him, enter his kingdom. You could do that even today. Ask a grown-up nearby, ask a pastor. Somebody would love to talk to you about how you can enter the kingdom of God by simply repenting of your sins and trusting in the Lord Jesus. Now, Jesus says, to such belongs the kingdom. He doesn't say only to children or to all children. So whatever your age, there's something required, isn't there? There is something required of you to gain the kingdom, and it's this. Simply come. Come. Just as grown-ups must do in order to receive Jesus as Savior and enter his kingdom forever, so it is true of you, boys and girls. Your heart must trust in Jesus, and you must choose to turn from your sin and follow him as your king. And you need to hear very plainly today, if you hear nothing else, hear this. Jesus invites you to do that. Jesus is calling to you. Come to me in simple faith, and the kingdom is yours. Brothers and sisters, in our mission to steward the words of life about Jesus, we must not neglect to tend one of the most important gardens in his harvest field, children. Let me close with a few particular exhortations. To parents, lead your children to Jesus. Read the Bible to them. Talk to them about spiritual matters. Pray for their salvation and growth in Christ. 
bring them to church, have other Christian adults who are in their lives who will speak to them and teach them. Encourage your children to listen to sermons and sing along with the church. This is our responsibility. Church, whether you're a parent or not, look for ways to bless the children in our congregation. Look for ways to come alongside parents. Look for ways to serve families by helping to take care of them, by even sitting near them or beside them in worship services and helping them to participate if that's something that that the parent would welcome. Volunteer in ministries across the church that serve them. We can always use more hands and more hearts and more voices speaking into the lives of our children. And if you were to contact Jessica and say, hey, I think the Lord is calling me to serve in our ministry to children, I am confident she has a place for you. Pray for the children in our church by name to come to Christ and to grow in Jesus. And then the final exhortation, one more time, is to you, kiddos, boys and girls. Draw near to Jesus in faith. He welcomes you. He wants you. He loves you. And then invite your friends to come to Jesus with you. Jesus himself said, let the children come to me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the example that the Lord Jesus gave us and the conviction that your spirit presses into our hearts as we consider Jesus' heart for children. We confess, Lord, that we are often distracted. We are often too busy about things that we regard as more important. But, Lord, convict us of this, forgive us of this, and teach us to have the same heart for boys and girls that Jesus has. Teach us not to view children as a distraction from the ministry, but as the ministry. May we be faithful in stewarding the gift of the children in our congregation and the children connected to our church and the children in our community that we would diligently seek to draw them to Christ, to bring them to Jesus. And I pray for boys and girls in this room now that those who have not placed their trust in you would be drawn to faith even in this moment that you would call to them and lead their hearts toward you to repent of their sins and to trust in Jesus so that the kingdom might be theirs. Make us faithful. Make us fruitful. Be pleased to build your church through such as these who recognize the need for your help in our helplessness and our weakness. In Jesus' name, amen.